Scathing reports drop about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse's unstable working conditions, Warner Brothers plans to sell a massive part of their music catalog, and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is tracking to be a massive box office hit. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And we have another episode of Movie News where we go through all of the industry news so you don't have to. There are a ton of huge stories, including this scathing report scathing about, report. about Sony <laughs> and its production of Across the Spider-Verse. But first, let's get into the box office. And it was a pretty okay box office week. Uh, it was well dispersed. Yeah, it was evenly. Yeah, every, it was pretty well spread out. It's there not were, exactly. We don't have a number one or two yet. It's all kind of up in the air. It's yeah. close though. And we have two new releases. So right at gunning for number one this week, it's actually across the Spider Verse and Elemental. They both made eighteen million, but there might be they have nobody sure who has the edge right now. So it's they both eighteen million. One might be like eight point eighteen point one million. One might be like eight point eighteen point two million. But we'll find out on Monday. But they both had pretty much the exact same weekend. The Flash dropped 70% from its first weekend down to $16 million. Wow. It is the worst drop at the box office so far this year. And it is even... And only Morbius had a worse drop in the past couple of years. What about... Wasn't Black Adam a massive drop or just people didn't... It never made... It didn't have that big of an opening weekend. So didn't it have an second, opportunity. Yeah, it's second <laughs> weekend. big drop. I mean, it was like 65% drop or something, but yeah. nothing hit 70%. That's that really, is so really bad. bad. Just to see that Spider-Verse in its third weekend is back fourth. at number... Or fourth weekend yeah. back at number one. Mm-hmm. And then to see the Flash and Elemental, which just came out, can't even hit, get number one right now. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's all word of mouth, man. And then word of mouth for Flash is obviously terrible, whereas word of mouth for Across the Spider-Verse is probably as good as a movie's word of mouth can be. So it's going to have very strong legs. It's already over 300 domestic. So America loves Across the Spider-Verse, and it just crossed $500 million globally. So it's on its way. I'm guessing it's going to top out about $600 million, which is very good for the film. And obviously, Sony is very happy as the budget on that film Oh, it's only $150 million total cost. And we'll find out some more about that production in a little <laughs> bit. Next up, and third and fourth place. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, fourth place. And its opening weekend was Jennifer Lawrence's No Hard Feelings with a very healthy $15 million opening weekend. The, the film was actually projected to hit about 10 to $12 million, so it actually beat its projections. This is very good, raunchy, R-rated comedy to see that these movies can still make some good box office. I want to see it this week. It looks really funny, and I think Jennifer Lawrence is hilarious, and uh, I hear there's some boobs in it, so I'll be there. (laughs) That's all James needs is some boobs. He hasn't figured out that they're all over the internet. (laughs) No, but I guess people are, apparently there's a nude scene on a beach that people are going crazy attacking because, like we always bring up, like something about nudity in Hollywood just disappeared the last five years to six years it's just 
not happening anymore. And like, mm. apparently, you can't put it in movies, and people get upset if you do in America. People are offended by it. Uh, something really? like it's, it's getting attacked online with like this beach scene that I'm very excited to check out. Now I want to see it. I know, right? <laughs> if people are offended now, I want to see if it. If people are telling me not to see a movie, yeah. that makes me want to see it more. And it's a good opening weekend. The film did have a pretty large budget at forty-five million dollars in total, but with this opening weekend plus releasing overseas, I think that this could, could pull in about seventy to seventy-five million. So it could be a success for the franchise. I mean, not the franchise for the studio. And then in fifth place. Transformers Rise of the Beasts came in with a $10 million opening week. I mean, <laughs> third weekend. Also, like uh, The Flash, not really performing that well, although it's doing better than The Flash, but still not really a huge success for Paramount. And then we have Asteroid City in sixth place, which a, with a very healthy $8.5 million on its first wide release of uh, Wes Anderson's new film. It was in a very limited release last weekend and pulled in $1.4 million. So $8.5 million on a wide release of a little over 1,000 theaters is very good for a Wes Anderson film. We really enjoyed the film, so if you're a Wes Anderson fan, we think it's a return to form for him. Yeah, we'll see how it does. I mean, it's a $25, $30 million budget, so if this is a wide release, maybe it can maintain that, have good word of mouth, and you know have some legs like Spider-Verse, a little bit like good, good and, performer, then I'm yeah. sure it'll hit its budget and then some. And uh, Europe loves Wes, so I, I expect the film to do well in, in the Europe market. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It'll, it'll be a profitable film like they always are for him usually. Now, let's get into the biggest news report of the week in, involving Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse where animators, uh, four of them right now at least, are coming out claiming unstable work conditions in a new report. So a slate of animators who worked on Across the Spider-Verse revealed that over 100 professionals from the art department left the project because they simply couldn't take the pressure anymore. The artists who agreed to speak to Vulture as long as they remained anonymous revealed that working conditions came working conditions to come up with a project as ambitious and expensive as this are just not sustainable. They also revealed that it was common for alterations and revisions to be demanded on parts of the movie that had otherwise been approved, which created an overwhelming backlog across several departments that led dozens of professionals to just give up on the project. For those who stayed, this translated to working seven days a week for at least 11 hours a day throughout a whole entire year. Oh my God. According to the sources, even the work of the trio of directors, Joaquin Dos Santos, Justin K. Thompson, and Kemp Powers, were undermined by Phil Lord, who directed the first film Into the Spider-Verse and produced and wrote the sequel, who allegedly pushed for final approval on every sequence in the movie. Now, I'm sure we're probably going to get some more reports coming out about this over the next couple of weeks, but it sounds like another sort of situation with these animation departments for all these massive superhero movies and, and movies. I mean, we heard this last year with Marvel, with their animators for several of their movies, all, a lot of them overworked. I'm not sure what the pay is like. Didn't say anything about pay. It just seems like tons of work in unstable conditions. And it seems like they went through a lot for sure. The thing is, I'm not sure they get overtime animators. I think they get just the window. You have to, it's like, this is the project you're hired for and it needs to be done by this window. I'm not sure. Someone, if, if you know better, let us know if they do get paid overtime. But still, even getting paid overtime, with this kind of workload, these people aren't having any kind of life outside of work. To work seven days a week, 11 hours a day, that's horrible. And, I mean, it makes sense that so many people quit. And another aspect is uh, that I read was that Phil Lord kept asking for changes to previously done work. So then there was hours and hours and hours of work for every artist that they did that ended up getting rejected. So they had to start from scratch in a lot of scenes because kind of like a lack of communication and 
and the lack of clarity on terms of what the vision of the film would be. So this is actually really sad, and I think that visual effects artists and animators are really getting just like screwed right now during productions. And this is not something, I mean, seven days a week, 11 hours a day, that's horrible. Yeah, it's kind of scary. For a year. It's scary because a year. with AI cropping up, and we all know about Secret Invasion, which is a news mm-hmm. story this week, how they revealed that their opening title credits was used, was created using AI versus having humans create it. So is this like a precursor to people being muscled out of their jobs eventually over time with technology advancing and AI advancing? I'm sure, obviously, there'll still be plenty of human animators, but is this a, a little precursor of people not being able to, to handle the workload, the overworkload that these studios are making them take on and will they kind of peter out over time and it's it's just sad because you know the studio and the producers they're like okay this is our release date get it done like that's the mentality just get it done by then no matter yeah, like, it, no matter how much work you have to do you just get it done by this window and, and that's the, really the reality and the of thing it. is it seemed like it wasn't even a fully finished movie too because they had the sound issues and they also have two different versions of the film in theaters yeah right there's now. apparently a couple different versions yeah. out at least two and so and also, the rumor is that Beyond the Spider-Verse, or people are saying that some of these animators who are coming out, they're like, there's no way Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out in 2024. Mm-hmm. Like, he, th- Some of the animators are saying they're so far behind, they hadn't even started work on Beyond the Spider-Verse. Apparently, that's just speculation and another report and a rumor. But it's tough to hear this happening to consistently, really only Marvel and Sony. I'm, I'm not really, we don't really hear this about the DC side of it when it comes Warner to Warner Brothers seems movies. to have a better... Um Workload for their art, for their visual effects artists and animators. I haven't heard anything like this from Warner Brothers projects. Well, also their their animations tra- trashed by by people more often. Maybe it's what happens when you don't force your employees to work eleven hours a day for a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, it's pretty good CGI. What kind of life can you have outside of that? Seven days a week, eleven hours a day. You wouldn't even have time to go to Trader Joe's, man. Seriously, you wouldn't have time <laughs> to do anything because then you just you could think about the commute to work. You gotta think about just like getting ready and then coming home and trying to decompress. I mean, how many are remote remote working when it comes to animation? Probably, I would say half of them. Probably, I don't know, but I mean, maybe, maybe, but it depends. But. I mean, th- I think with with the Q and A with the director, he seemed to say that everybody was working in the apartments in the building together. True, I'm sure there's a mixture of it, but still, eleven hours a day, whether you're home or at the office, is still a lot of five days a week for a whole 11, year. Eleven hours a day for five days a week is a lot. We did that for like a year when we were getting the podcast going, and it was. Horrible. Draining. Yeah. You literally, literally didn't have a life outside of the show. I know. I mean... And Amy Pascal, who owns the the studio that made these Pascal pictures that makes the Spider-Verse films, she said, hey, that's like... She basically... She said that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Like, you want to get... A, this is the movie business. That's BS. That's just a fake excuse. You just, chose the release date. You can move it back. But you, you, can. you They wanted... You know, it's like... It's all... like They say shit like that, but it's completely BS. Like, that's horrible to put people through that. My God. Like, that's inhumane. Moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Warner Brothers. A lot of L's from studios this week. Yeah, you're going to yeah. hear Warner Brothers and Paramount, too. Yes. So Warner Brothers, uh, at the um, leadership of Zavlov, he has going along with selling the music catalog for a lot of their properties. They're trying to make $500 million by selling the rights to some of the most famous music that they've produced. So they're trying to sell half of its music and TV catalog for $500 million, including the Batman. Purple Rain, 
and then a bunch of other things. Not the Batman. Just yeah, sorry, Batman. not the Batman. Just Batman. And um, they also took Westworld off of Max because it, it was one of the least worst performing shows ever. Even though they put a boatload of money into it, really, it was yeah. that low performing. Yeah, it's, they they canceled it because it was just getting no viewership, especially in its last season. But it was extremely expensive. You would think that it was such a high watch show because it's they advertised it, like yeah. crazy. Um, but they spent a lot of money on it. And well, no, you watched the first couple of seasons, then you said yeah. it kind of teetered. I dropped. Off. It dropped off. Yeah, it got a little ridiculous. And then other things like uh, Avita Sweeney Todd rent several of the Batman films, and as time goes by. Uh, from the classic movie, Casablanca are part of the music catalog that they're selling. Um, apparently, rumors say that Sony is in the is in the lead to try and buy this music catalog from Warner Brothers. Also, there's a, a report that Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Paul Thomas Anderson organized an emergency call with David Zaslav that took place on I think it was three days ago on on Thursday or Friday to advocate for saving. The Turner Classic Movies top brass, especially this brand that he's just firing so many people from, because he he also this past week Zaslav fired VP and General Manager Paula Chagnon, Senior VP of Programming and Content Strategy Charles Tabesh, VP of Brand Creative and Marketing Director Dexter Fedor, VP of Enterprises and Strategic Partnership Genevieve McCluddy, who also served as the director for the TCM Annual Film Festival, and VP of Studio Production Ann Wilson. So it seems like Zaslav got hired to clean shop and just go in there and start axing as much as he could to save money. Warner Brothers is $49 billion in debt right now, so he's trying to offload as much as he can to cut corners and save on costs. But So the, the trio of those legendary directors, they're trying to make sure that nothing... To make sure that the TCM channel doesn't go away because it's been this long-standing channel with Warner Brothers, um, we used to uh, we put it on all the time. We're, it's just they play classic films. Yeah, Turner um, Classic. Yeah. So uh, from what they said, I saw an interview. I, I saw a statement they put out. They said that uh, after their discussion with him, they got the impression that he doesn't want to erase TCM, but he wants to keep it. But he's just trying to squeeze it for everything it can be squeezed for as well as other aspects of the Warner Brothers Discovery um, and t um, company so we'll see I mean yeah all, all these companies are in huge amounts of debt Disney's in what 40 billion in debt crazy dude yeah Warner Brothers leading money billion. I think that's yeah. why they moved Deadpool 3 up because they need a banger ASAP yeah because Indy's Indy's most likely going to lose a lot of money that that is projecting really low at the box office especially since we've seen the recent performance of their movies coming out you know who's not in debt Paramount, <laughs> they're doing well. Well, uh, don't speak too soon. They're uh -huh. they're on the surface they might be doing well with some of their movies, but we might as well stay on this topic. So, Paramount Plus pulled the plug on several of their shows. Oh, shit. So, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, got removed. Even though I I didn't even know the show came out. I, I remember, remember seeing trailers. It came and out ads. in April. I didn't realize it came out. We talked about it months yeah. ago. It, it's been out. I thought Rise. it was like so. So, Grease the Pink Ladies has been removed from Paramount Plus, as well as Star Trek Prodigy, Queen of the Universe, and The Game. And so, this is the latest streaming service to start just eliminating shows from their streaming services. But also, taking shows off their services, they're able to get a tax write-off. So exactly. Yeah. But also, they're not performing very well. I oh, mean, yeah. So, Grease the Pink Ladies... It was the number 19th show on Paramount's lineup of TV series. And they probably put a lot of money into it. Oh, definitely. It's, yeah. a, it's a huge production. It's yeah. basically a musical every episode. Yeah. And then Wilson! Also, Wilson fell from the table. <laughs> I'm sorry! It's just like the movie. <laughs> just like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he fell off my desk. <laughs> and then um, 
it was the 490th most popular TV show on TV. 490th. So, so when these shows are getting eliminated, it's because literally nobody's watching them. So I mean, you. But also at the same time, they have to save money. They have to claim it as a loss. They, yeah. That's why they're eliminating it to get a tax write off to save some of their money. It's sad to see people work on these shows and these shows just get eliminated after it's been on the air for four months. Is it sad to see the origin story of a, of side characters in Greece? Hey, man. <laughs> They deserve their stories to be told, okay, Anthony? I watched the trailers. Not for me. Why are we making shows about like side origin stories of side characters of old movies? Oh, dude, there's an what even the hell? worse origin story. In we this, knew that was not going to do as well. well, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, talk about uh, <laughs> speaking of Paramount. Yeah, okay. They so do they, have. They some got good, some bangers coming. Yeah, so they have good, they have some good news. So Mission Impossible Seven: Dead Reckoning Part One is in the middle of its press tour. They had an awesome premiere in Rome that looked fantastic and. I mean, I wish I was there. I'm not sure if you saw Vanessa Kirby, but woo, she looked great. Man, she always looks great. <laughs> and then it's projecting, the film is projecting to have its biggest premiere in franchise history. So the thing with Mission Impossible films, they've always been very, very good box office performers, but they've never been like juggernauts. Like they'll make 500, 600 million um, but they never have huge, like huge opening weekends. That's not. They're known for their longevity in theaters and just for um, massive international. Yeah, numbers. exactly. For example, Fallout, the last Mission Impossible film, only made sixty million, sixty-one million in its opening weekend. So it had just like a, a decent opening weekend, but word of mouth and just global box office and and just it's, it played for a while. So it did really well. Ended up making over six hundred million. However, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. It's projected to pull in over $90 million for its opening weekend box office, which destroys any other opening weekend for a Mission Impossible film. So it looks like this is going to be the best performer in the franchise, and then I'm sure number eight will top it. Yeah, because if it's going to make $90 million domestic, it could pull 200 internationally. It could. Oh, it looks like, yeah, it could make 300 in its opening weekend globally. Let's so, go! So it's looking, it's going to track, I'm guessing, for $800 million. And honestly, it's Tom Cruise coming off of Top Gun Maverick, baby. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, Tom's back fire. in theaters! He's on fire. Tom, everyone wants to see Tom again. And come on, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. We saw and rea we first reactions to the film from people who have seen it have been really glowing. And we we actually bumped into Juju, a.k.a. Straw Hat Goofy at Paramount the other day. And he saw it already. He was at Rome at the premiere because the guy's killing it. And um, he's like, it's fucking amazing. He said it's incredible. He said that the stunts you've seen, the dirt bike stunt off the cliff and the train stuff, he said those aren't even the biggest, craziest stunts in the movie. They, they haven't even showed anything yet, he said. I'm so excited to see it. Wait. It comes out, we're seeing it in two weeks. Yes. Man, it's a long two weeks. I know, I wish we got that Rome invite. <laughs> <laughs> we're not that We're not we're doing not juju big. numbers on yeah, TikTok. We're not that big. Now, let's talk about some Star Wars news. So... <laughs> New Jedi Order plot synopsis has been, reportedly been revealed. This is going to be the sequel to Rey Skywalker's saga and her two apprentices. So this is the synopsis. This is the movie that that uh, Mangold wrote or, or Stephen Knight, Knight. Stephen Knight wrote. Yeah. Set roughly 15 years after Rey's victory over Palpatine, her grandfather. At the end, I added the grandfather part. <laughs> At the end of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, a.k.a. Palpatine, the sequel delves into Rey's courageous endeavor to restore the Jedi Order, where she assumes the role of mentor to two promising young students, a girl and a boy. As her training progresses, it becomes evident that the girl possesses extraordinary abilities, just destined to emerge as the future leader. 
So men are trash. <laughs> if they don't make the girl a Sith, they should make the girl a Sith. They absolutely should. do that. They should. That would be fucking awesome. It's not going to happen. I want to see a female Sith so bad. It's not going to happen. Like a Sith Lord. The, the boy's probably going to be a Sith. Like a true Sith, not like a yeah. Sith that like becomes good. I want to see an evil female Sith Jedi also, Sith Master. I mean, it's, so it's not a Rey movie. It's... uh. The, uh, setting up the future movie. It's an origins it's a, movie. It's, 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 it's a versus. It's, it's a verse a movie. It's a spinoff origins movie. This is not a Ray movie. It's uh, it's the the kids movie. New Jedi Order Origins. Oh they God. just call it New Jedi Origins. <laughs> I mean, if they made a sick movie about Ray fighting some like bad organization on its like that, isolated, that that sounds pretty fun. But like this is, it's, it's just, just a, a setup. It's a, tra- it's a trampoline. This is just another setup. It's a trampoline movie. My God, man, here we go. It's a bouncy house. Men are trash. <laughs> That's the trampoline. Hey, I, I'm holding out hope that the girl's a Sith evil person. That'd be sick. What do you get from that for synopsis? Extraordinary. Destined to emerge as the future leader. Definitely good. Exactly. Guy. They're teasing that. It's like an Anakin path. Like they're, they're not gonna be a villain. What never, what woman has been a villain in a Kathleen Kennedy production? Well, a full on villain. Um. No, yeah, they always end up. It's like the fake villain, yeah. and then they're good at the end. Bait and switch villain. Bait and switch villain. Yeah, it's KK. So villain. He, the boy's gonna be the villain. I guarantee it. He's a, he'll be a bad guy. Sounds fine, but I mean, I was ex- I was expecting like a Ray Solo movie, but it's clearly that not. would be cool. Just Ray on an adventure. I don't want to see her bossing around a couple of kids. It sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like here we go, <laughs> couple of teenagers. It just, it's kind of dumb because Ray now has the power of all the Jedi inside of her and is the ultimate Jedi now. Why not just make her go to war? And like kill a bunch of, and like fight, and like she's now already she's, she's already looking for the future leader. She's only like thirty. They're just turning her into a teacher already. <laughs> like she's not even that old. She's like thirty five. Like, yeah, what are they doing? All right, I'm done. I'm hanging up the lightsaber. I'm gonna trade my successor. I'm thirty two well, years I get, old. I get that she wants to set up the Jedi Order again. She's just gonna get it going. You gotta get things cooking. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> Sounds bad. I, <laughs> I was expecting more. <laughs> oh, it sounds so boring. She's gonna be her training a couple of kids. <laughs> Woo! All right. All right. Let's move on to the Last of Us. He's getting spicy today. This, this sounds ridiculous, honestly. So, the Last of Us. Apparently, Matthew McConaughey almost played Joel in the Last of Us adaptation on Max, revealed by show creator Craig Mazin. It didn't work out with scheduling. However, he did say that Pedro Pascal was their first choice. It was just difficult landing him um, initially. So then, He's when a they, busy guy, when it was up in the air with Pascal, they went to McConaughey, and McConaughey was interested, but scheduling didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, he would have been a good Joel. Yeah, yeah, he would have nailed it. Yeah. Pedro is just killing it though he's in every movie <laughs> like literally every movie we've talked about he's in <laughs> just kidding. he is in this he's even in the new ethan cohen movie, yeah he's yeah. in this episode that we bring we'll talk about in a little bit so move on to some quick indiana jones 5 news in the dial of destiny we all know it's dropping soon june 30th next fucking week oh um, shit next week yeah we'll, we'll be there on we're going on tuesday, tuesday i think i think we're seeing it on tuesday night wow it's coming up now Disney is doing another marketing campaign with it with Build-A-Bear. So if you got a little... They're trying to get the kids excited. If you got a little kid, take them to Build-A-Bear. You get your own Indiana Jones Build-A-Bear. Very cute. Very endearing. And yeah, it's it's, it's adorable. Gotta, gotta hit all the demos, you know? <laughs> gotta get kids excited. I think they probably just all want Spider-Man bears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, where's Spider-Man? <laughs> Who is this? Old man. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Black Mirror season six premiered on Netflix, and it's getting pretty mixed reviews. 
Uh, the thing with Black Mirror is sometimes uh, an episode can be a fucking banger, and then sometimes it can just be like, uh, what did I just watch? Yeah. Uh, it seems to be like a mixed bag like that for the season. Yeah, I think it'll be impossible to capture what they did with the first two or three seasons. There were, there were the first few seasons, like, they were all incredible. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's hard. It's, dif- it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, six seasons later. But yeah. All, and especially because it's an anthology and all mm-hmm. unique ideas. They're not all bangers. It's just like anything. I think any anthology series isn't always going to have great episodes. Like yeah. Guillermo's series that he did, the uh, House of Horrors, I didn't love half of them. You know, I watched one and I was like, that was Yeah, that was the one I was like, oh, man. I was like, that was terrible. Who wrote no, this? That was, that was an L, man. The all dialogue right. <laughs> was horrible. So I got um, some news for Secret Invasion. We, also, we already talked about the AI opening. Now, this is a spoiler Shh. warning. It's a, it's a warning. I haven't watched the show, but this dropped, and I'm like, I have to bring this up on the show. So here's your spoiler warning for MCU's Secret Invasion. I'll give you a couple more seconds if you want to I just ahead. read it. I didn't know this. Apparently, in Secret Invasion, again, another spoiler warning. I don't want to got I don't want to DM that I got that this got spoiled. <laughs> You're gonna piss Oh, you should have waited longer. I saw it on Twitter. Um Maria Hill, spoiler warning was killed off on MCU Secret Invasion, which I found pretty surprising because even though I haven't really watched any of the MCU shows except for WandaVision... Has she I, been in them? She's been in and out of like all a lot of their productions, but I'm I'm shocked. I thought she was a fan favorite. Colby Smulders, everyone loves her. It's kind of like when they killed off Agent Coulson super early in uh, Avengers. But, I mean, I'm surprised they killed off Maria Hill because uh, why? I guess... I haven't seen her with Amelia Clark. I haven't seen her, but I guess I guess too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't know. I thought she was just like like just a great character that everyone loved. And I, I think, bet they're gonna replace um, Sam in this show too. I don't Eventually, know. by the end, we'll get a new Sam like Nick L. Fury character, like a younger, hotter Nick Fury. He's, he's getting <laughs> old, man. He's getting up there. I'm sure. He, no, I, I bet you Nick will be fine. Uh huh. But I'm, I'm surprised they kill off Maria Hill. Yeah, I mean, this is surprising. Pretty weird. I gotta replace her with Amelia Clark, man. I don't even know who Amelia Clark plays in the show. Doesn't she play one of the aliens? I have no idea. But I mean, Maria Hill's not an alien. I'm aware. <laughs> or is she? <laughs> I'm just saying lead actress. True. Yeah, it's true. All right, moving on. <laughs> Luca Guadagnino's got a new trailer out for his film, Challenger, starring Zendaya. It is. It looks great. Sexy and exciting. And uh, it looks like a solid tennis movie when it's t- kind of like a, t- a tough sport to tackle in film. A couple have been pretty good, but this looks awesome. Uh, I like the the Shia one where he played Federer. No, when Johnny he played McEnroe. Johnny, when he played McEnroe was good. Um, who's who's the other? Who's the opponent? It was like it was called something versus McEnroe. But that, that was a good one. But um, Luca is a fantastic director, and to see him in a sports world, uh, I think it looks really incredible. Visually stunning, shooting on film like he always does. On the cast is excellent. Um, and it looks like this really great epic story. It looks like Zendaya is looking like a front runner for an Oscar. Yeah, she looks terrific, and it also stars Mike Faced and Josh, Josh O'Connor. And it's about the three of them. She's a superstar in the tennis world. They're also tennis players as well, and they have this sort of love triangle that develops. But then only two of them, and then Zendaya and one of them has have a relationship, but they're still like past feelings. It looks pretty sexy and interesting. It looks great. <laughs> it looks really good, honestly. I, I mean. It looks fucking awesome. All right, moving on. There's another trailer for Craven the Hunter. 
He's out for blood in the first Red Band trailer. <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson plays, voice. plays Craven <laughs> in this film. It looks all right. It looks, it looks all right. I mean, at least it's rated R. Yeah. And I liked, I was not sold on the trailer until he bit that guy's nose yeah, off and I spit it, was, it out the yeah, window. Yeah, I thought it was cool when he bit that guy's nose off. Same. I was like, okay. I was like, However, I was, you can tell that a lot of the blood's going to be CGI. Yeah, a lot of everything is going to be CGI. Yeah. And they're setting, this is, I think, Sony's hoping this can be the first villain for the next film in Tom Holland's Spider-Man franchise. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson is an awesome actor. It uh, looks like they're making him like kind of like charming, like Bondish charming, and it looks pretty good. I mean, I don't know much about the character. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Someone let us know in the comics how he gets, does he have powers? I so know I, I spoke I know to like a couple of our... Potions, he yeah. like makes things, remedies, Yeah, right? I spoke to a couple of our fans, and they said that he there are comics where he doesn't have powers, and there are comics where he does have powers, and he got... The ones where he does get powers, he got them from like a, a witch brood potion. Gotcha, because gave him powers. They get he gets the powers because lion's blood goes inside of his bloodstream. It's definitely some. It's probably some genetically modified lion. Something that, like that. That is probably the reason. Otherwise, it's not a everyone lion. would try to get like yeah. Lion's it's, blood. It doesn't look like a normal lion. <laughs> it's a pretty big lion. So it looks like it's the the lion that turns him. I guess it some kind of special lion. I'm keeping my expectations in check though because obviously it still feels sort of like Morbius in terms of like the production design and everything like that. It feels like that tone and world. But I love Aaron Taylor Johnson, and the guy is killing it. And it's an interesting take. Give me I mean, some blood. Looks, you get to see on-screen death a lot. I mean, yeah. that's something we all get in superhero movies. So I wish, I, the, I wish the blood was more practical. Yeah, you know, that would have been sick. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think it's. I think it looks pretty good. I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah, it's, really not, it's not terrible. But also staying on Sony in there. What's the? They have like a tagline for their superhero verse. It's it's ridiculous. It's like eight words. But uh, it's not like the MCU. It's like this. <laughs> it's like the Sony. Uh, Extended Spider Verse universe characters. Of, of heroes, something like that, and so uh, Sony's El Muerto, which is supposed to star Bad Bunny, has officially been pulled off its release date, meaning that it's probably not going to go into production. Probably won't get made for indefinitely until maybe post writer strike, but who knows? So they basically they had it scheduled for a release date, but now that's gone. So they're axing it right now. So El Muerto is off the, it's, off the book. It's crazy. The last week they announced they were about to start production. I know. And then they just pulled the plug. It's pretty wild. Damn. Weird. So another trailer came out that looks pretty awesome. It's Dumb Money. Uh, it's about GameStop and its rise. Uh, and, rise. And the man who started it all on Reddit. The stars Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, um, and a bunch of other great actors. About the GameStop story, which is so fascinating and how... A bunch of just everyday, ordinary people gave the, the market a run for its money, and then the wealthy elites of Wall Street shut them down. Yeah, he plays this YouTuber, Redditor, who basically was also kind of like a stock expert, but he saw a trend happening where the stock, where the hedge funds were betting against GameStop and planning on it to fail and go out of business, and he saw an opportunity, saw, he saw the signs and put a ton of money down and bought a ton of shares of GameStop and it went from like $2 to eventually like its height was like $500 per share but Damn. because he created a fever for people let's buy GameStop and stick it to, to the stock market and stick it to the hedge funds and became a millionaire and also changed like created mayhem for a year on the stock market it was insane but then um, the industry scrutinized him and caught you him you can't do what we do yeah it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy what happened he didn't even he even had to like testify at a hearing and everything it's crazy it's nuts just for doing what they do i'm pretty interested all right we also finally got a trailer for sofia coppola's priscilla and this is going to star kaylee spaney and jacob alardi 
as Elvis and Priscilla. It looks terrific. She seems like the perfect director to tell the story about Priscilla. Right now, the Elvis family estate says they are not into this movie. However, Priscilla says she likes it, so you know it's probably going to be good. It's based on her um, autobiography. Yeah. Yeah, and her memoir. But it looks terrific. It looks gorgeous. I wonder, I why, wouldn't the, why doesn't the family like it, you think? Who knows? Maybe they don't portray Elvis in the, the light they want. I don't know. Hmm. I guess so, yeah. I mean, it's a question. I mean, it looks great. It looks like a fairy tale. It yeah. really does. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's the perspective Sophie is probably going to portray of like this, this uh, godlike figure bringing me into his, his fantastical world mm-hmm. and probably much darker on the, un- I mean, he, he had a dark, he had a dark side to him, you know, very dark side that people didn't really know about. Mm-hmm. And it's an A24 movie as well. Nice. Next up, some Paul Mescal news. I don't know, Paul I'm, Muscle. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the video of him bulking up in the gym. Oh, I saw that video. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Muscles. Doing some uh, shoulder rows. He's looking huge. Not huge, but he's looking very, very strong. He's looking in, in shape. Yeah, because you know. he's, he's a tall guy, so he's going to be pretty pretty large. But um, he's, in the ten- he's in the middle of training for the film. I think they're probably going to start principal photography pretty soon because they're still building the sets. Um, but yeah, it's they've been in pre-production for months. Yeah, it takes a while because Ridley likes to build everything. He doesn't like using green screens. Yeah, so. there's no fucking volume getting used in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so he looks like he's in great shape, which means he's gonna be fighting some dudes. In Let's the go! Gladiator ring. Why is he gonna be a gladiator? I need to. I cannot wait for this movie now. Yeah. I cannot wait now. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. James Mangold sees Swamp Thing, his next movie, which will be from the DCU, as a standalone film. Now he got hired and is going to reimagine this character for the DCU going forward for James Gunn and Peter Safran. And I mean, I'm I'm very excited to see it. We love horror movies. I hope it's it'd be cool if it was an R. And we'll see. It'd be cool if it was a monster movie where the monster is the bad guy. In my opinion, if it's going to be its own thing, like so, we yeah. don't have to have like other characters coming in. Mm-hmm. Just make him a killer, man. Next up, we have news about the movie everybody's been asking about. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Johnson's Fast and Furious spinoff. They released the title. It's called Fast Presents Hobbs and Reyes. That's the fucking title, which means that um, Jason Momoa's character Reyes is going to probably end up being friends with Hobbs, and he's going to join the team. It'll just like their traditional thing of like the villain becomes a part of the crew, and yeah, Fast Presents. Hobbs, Are they both Hobbs gonna lick Reyes. blood off knives? <laughs> it's all, they're just gonna be <laughs> licking blood. The way he does that, that character, I mean, I think Jason Momoa probably had so much fun, but it was so inconsistent throughout the whole movie because, like, the flashback, he's just like a normal guy in a suit, but then he's like a serial killer talking to dead bodies. Like and, a psycho. Like, yeah. and, and then licking a t- There's a lot of blood on that knife, and he, he licks licked the, the whole shit out of it. Yeah, he licked <laughs> like, all that what blood. Is, off. Where did this come from? That's disgusting. <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever, fast. So we all know that Joel Cohen made his first solo feature film uh, a year and a half ago with Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington. And it was—I mean, I'm sorry, not Mac. Yeah, tragedy. Tragedy Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah, yeah. That was the full title, starring Denzel Washington, and it was critically and commercially acclaimed. We loved it. It was so well made, terrific. Now Ethan Cohen has his first solo feature coming out called Drive Away Dolls, and you can truly see the different styles that they bring brought to their previous many films together. And now this is a, a road trip movie comedy starring Margaret Qualley, Geraldine 
Viswanathan. Canceled. <laughs> what was it, James? What was it? Viswanathan and Pedro Pascal. <laughs> I rolled the R. Good. You did roll that R, man. That's how he likes it. And uh, this is definitely a completely different tone than Joel's style filmmaking, clearly. But you can see how their styles fuse together to create, to create their terrific co-directing. Now, this will be his first solo feature, and we'll see how it does. I, I'm going to be honest. The, we watched the trailer when we we were um, in the theaters a couple of days ago, and it wasn't really that funny at all. Yeah. It was kind of weird. I, was, I wasn't completely sold and on it. And the audience pretty back theater. I didn't hear any anything from the audience. It, it was, it's, it, and also before that, the No Hard Feelings trailer played, yeah, and everyone yeah. was laughing. It was, um, yeah, the comedy didn't work for me. I, I was surprised um, when I saw Ethan Cohen's name up. I knew it, I, I was, it felt like a Coen Brothers movie while I was watching the trailer because I hadn't heard of it. I'm like, is this a Coen movie? Because it felt kind of like the humor from Fargo and Lebowski. Plus, they got Matt Damon and Pedro in it somehow, so it's got to be great directors. But then I'm like, this, yeah. this has to be a Coen Brothers movie, or at least just now, I guess it's just mm-hmm. Ethan's movie. So you can see now we where they, their style is like fused together to create their movies where each strengths are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but I would still say Joel is still, he adds the comedy as, as well. I think he's... I think that, well, we don't, I don't know. We haven't seen his solo movies. With, well, he's with always hum- been the first build. No, I'm, I'm talking about just the style, like the humor. Yeah. Like, clearly, Ethan brings the humor. I think they both do. Yeah, I well, I mean, I think yeah. it's apparent in terms yeah. of their styles of directing, though. Yeah. I mean, Tragedy of Macbeth is not a comical film, and this is just seems like a silly, fun adventure. It also looks like they're both, like, sep- since they separated, they're doing, like, tackling, like, specific genres. Something that yeah. they prefer. And, yeah. like, But, yeah, I, th- I just think that showcases. It looks, but also, it looks like Joel is pushing himself to do new things, and Ethan is still kind of doing the same kind of tone. You know what I mean? I was really fascinated with um, Tragedy of Macbeth. It was, it was a really interesting film, because they had never done anything like that before. You know what I mean? It was really cool. But, um, yeah, the trailer didn't really work for me. I wasn't sold really. Yeah, I wasn't really. I was like, that's kind of weird. Eh, it looks okay. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Am I going to go to the theater? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on to Paddington news, though. So, Paddington 3, Paddington in Peru. Cute. Just added Olivia Coleman and Antonio Banderas. Coleman plays a blithe and sunny guitar playing nun who runs a home for retired bears down in Peru. And also, Antonio Banderas plays a riverboat captain named Hunter Cabo. Love it. Cannot wait. Love it. I saw Paddington 2 for the first time a few months ago. I found it incredibly delightful and hysterical. <laughs> it's, it's really good, man. And our final trailer. Origins. In case you weren't in case you were worried that there weren't new origin stories about famous products. <laughs> Don't we worry, got another one for you. Every two weeks we got a new one, baby. <laughs> we got Tetris this year. We got Blackberry. We got Flaming Hot. Hot. And now we got Beanie Babies, baby. <laughs> Beanie Babies. How did Beanie Babies start? Dude, I've been so curious. <laughs> For so long. Like, I've been dying. Because you have it. a huge collection. Yeah, yeah. Matt. Who started Beanie Babies? <laughs> so your answers are now going to be answered. Your questions are now going to be answered with the Beanie Bubble. It just released its trailer starring Elizabeth Banks and Zach Galifianakis. And it's a Beanie Babies origin story about the people and company that began the famous product line of plush, tall, plush, plush dolls. And... Yeah, it's a movie trailer. It sure is. It sure looks like a movie. It sure does look like a movie. Origins. Uh, Apple TV's film. Um, I doubt they'll be releasing this in theaters. I highly doubt it, and I think I know why because I watched the trailer this morning. I uh, I, I couldn't make it through the trailer. It looked, I turned it off. It certainly looks like a movie. That's all I'll say about it. My God, it certainly looks like a movie. <sighs> 
Man, I hope we get the uh, the Pellegrino water trailer soon. Origins. Pellegrino. <laughs> Who invented rain? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a matter of time. To, there's going to be a Lego Origins trailer. I'm telling you. Hat. Origins. <laughs> Who made the first hat? <laughs> like Capri Sun. The crazy true story of Wilson. Capri Sun. Wilson. <laughs> Origins. <laughs> Who made the first Wilson basketball? Soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, basketball. the company Wilson. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, well, yeah not, not this Wilson, just the company. <laughs> <laughs> like any- what human made the first ball or ball origins? <laughs> Chair origins. <laughs> Fruit roll-up origins. <laughs> Dunkaroos origins. <laughs> the wild, crazy story of who created the first kangaroo-styled cookie. To Duncan Frosting. <laughs> You've been asking for it. You've been asking for it for so long. What is the? I guess it's because they have no more original ideas that they want to fund. But goddamn, like they just they there are they're original walking, ideas. No, their original ideas. There are spec scripts, spec scripts all over the place. They just choose things that people are already aware of. The this, studio heads, they're like walking through the malls, and they're like, "What can we make a movie about? Look at that. What's that over there? <laughs> a gumball machine. Gumball machine origins. <laughs> vending, who made the first vending machine? The man who invented the gumball machine. <laughs> it was a crazy idea. Nobody would accept it. Everybody said no, but he had a dream, and he chased that dream. He divorced gumballs. <laughs> he left his family. To pursue a gumball machine. <laughs> Hat. Origins. Where did snapbacks come from? <laughs> it's never going to end, man. Oh, my, oh my God. Just fucking kill me, man. Just fucking kill me. <laughs> fucking kill me. I am killing you. <laughs> this is so. This is Apple TV. I am killing you. I'd love to see you explain this to a Suffolk County jury. This is going to be fucking fun. <laughs> just stop. Oh, my God. How many of these did they green light in the last five years? They just they just gotta get them out. They they put the money into it. They gotta release them. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Magnets origins. I'm, I bet we get a Funko Pop origin sometime soon. Probably rug origin. Who made the first rug? Ancient China, 20 BC. The first carpet is made. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say ancient China origins. I was like, where's it going? Who invented China origins? <laughs> China origin. <laughs> Romulus and Remus Origins Ancient Rome <laughs> Oh my god Oh my god Movies God damn it <laughs> Can we just have Movies about just I want to see who, How many people Actually watch this movie though <laughs> You know Apple TV Would be like Oh everybody watched it <laughs> Oh Laura oh, Anyways that's, oh, That wraps movie news I think we're on 105 now Oh there's just something I forgot to mention Jennifer Lawrence was on Spicy uh, On Hot Ones And she was hilarious So if you like Hot Ones that's their latest interview. It was a lot of fun. Well, I'll check that out. She was great. There was a bit where um, he took a really hot sauce and he started just shaking it. And she's like, what does that mean? Why are you shaking it? She's like, what does that mean? <laughs> she's like crying. <laughs> it's, it's hysterical. All right. Movie news is now over. Let's promote some episodes, though. So last, we, think th- we do good. We should have an episode of movie news origins. <laughs> movie news. Who started movie news? <laughs> what was the first episode of? We should make a movie about our first, <laughs> our first episode. Raiders of Lost Podcast <laughs> origins. Origins. Now, recently we did an episode on Lady Bird last Monday. We had our letterbox recap on Tuesday, of course. We also did our first ever movie draft on Thursday. We did a 1970s and 80s horror movie draft featuring Spooky Tuesday podcast. Some lovely, wonderful, and fun ladies from that podcast came on our show, Monica, Sydney, and Chelsea, and we had a blast, the five of us, picking movies and doing a draft. It was super who won, fun. Who won? 
Uh, let me check the vote on Spotify. So according to our poll, Anthony demolished with 56% of the vote. 56? I got 5 Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, beanie babies. <laughs> <laughs> we also recently did our Spider-Man uh, Movies from Memory episode. Before that, Taxi Driver. Coming out this week, we're doing on tomorrow. You good? Sorry, I'm still laughing about it. The Thing oh, review yeah. tomorrow. Cannot wait for you to check that episode out. Oh, you edited it. How is it? I haven't Oh, you edited it. <laughs> I'll do that today. Get on that, oh, bro. It's Saturday. We're filming this on Saturday. I got plenty of time. And then on Thursday, we did an episode on... Which one are you doing? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, baby. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Bunch of goddamn fucking hippies on Thursday. Nah, I was dumber than that. <laughs> so we cannot... That was like three hours almost. It was 2.45. Yeah, that's going to be a, a long super episode. fun episode. Long Enjoy episode. that. Definitely save it for a long gym session or whatever because it's going to be a great one. So thanks for tuning in. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast. And leave those five-star reviews for us on Spotify and Apple. really helps us get seen by new people. Let's take this show to the moon just like GameStop, baby. Ape Diamond apes. hands. Diamond hand apes, baby. Let's go. Take care. See you next time. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button as well. Notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.